So Luke chapter 10, uh, we ended in Luke chapter 9, so we're going to pick up right here, Luke chapter 10, verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into the city, uh, into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then uh, he said to them, the harvest truly is great and the laborers, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money, uh, neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, uh, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, uh, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as they as are set before you. And heal the sick there, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, Go out into its streets and say, The very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near to you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. So uh, this first, we're going to try to get through the whole chapter. But this first section here, uh, we're, we're looking at a uh, interesting, uh, obviously the whole Scripture is interesting, but this is this is a, a, an awesome uh, thing for us to study and just to learn. You know, as the Lord sends these seventy out, that uh, uh, there's a lot that we can learn from everything that He's saying here. And um, when you start out in verse one, where where we can read uh, that uh, those seventy, and He sent them out two by two, send them out in teams. Um, there's a lot we can learn from not going out and thinking that we're lone rangers. Now, the Lord did call some to go serve and, and do things by themselves. But uh, what he was showing here, this model of, of going out and, uh, and uh, spreading the word, was this, he was sending them two by two. And, and we can learn a lot about accountability. Uh, we can learn that, you know, that, that we have somebody there to pray with. That we have somebody there to, you know, bounce things off. To, you know, we have a, a, a ministry uh, partner there with us, and it's so important. So when we read through that, we just kind of how the Lord implements that here is is uh, awesome to see. And He says He sent them out before His face in every city, so that He sent them out before He was supposed to go there on His way to Jerusalem. Remember, in chapter nine, we talked about you know, He didn't stay with the Samaritans because His face was set before, set to go to Jerusalem. Um, Verse uh, verse two is uh, uh, is talking about um, the harvest. He, he starts talking about the harvest and the laborers, and uh, the world is ready. You know, when we can look at the, the the harvest that we have here, the the world is so ready, and we just pray the Lord sends and and uh, I, I would dare say activates. You know uh, the laborers because we know that Christians are are you know spread throughout the world, but that we would be actively be living our faith and sharing our faith that uh, those in the fields uh, are are being ministered to, and uh, it's just such a um, you, you know we don't have to wonder if we're called to do that. 
You know, it's it's one of those things that straight in Matthew chapter 28 in the Great Commission, you know, the Lord said, because when he said uh, that uh, he has authority and he says, go and make disciples of every nation, uh, and uh, he told them to baptize and to teach them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's everybody. That covers Christians all the way from that day all the way to today. You know, it's not, hey, you know, because if he would have said, you know, until you guys are gone, you know, I'm with you till you guys are gone, even till the end of the age. You know, so so with that, we can know that that is that is speaking of the I, I love here that it says, uh, you know, go make disciples, baptize them and teach them, build them up, strengthen them and um, and, uh, and to observe all that you, that uh, I've commanded you. And uh, oh, I'm with you always. We can know that when we do go in his name and we're called to. That uh, that he's there with us. We don't have to wonder. Oh, does does the Lord really want me to share my faith? Yes, <laughs> absolutely, he does. You know how to do so. You pray, and and you know the Lord will teach us how to, because we can do that with a sandwich board screaming on the corner. I've seen that before, by the way. I I I've probably shared this before, but I'll never forget. Um, I was in Denver. I was there for work, and uh, I was. Uh, there was this outdoor mall, and as weird as it is, it was in like February, and it was 70 degrees in Denver. I'm like, I'm up a mile, you know, above sea level, and I'm experiencing. I mean, I went there with all clothes, all these, you know, I'm from Maine, and I'm going to going to to Denver in uh, in the winter, and uh, you know, I've got all these warm clothes, and I had a few t-shirts, and that's what I ended up wearing was jeans and t-shirts, but I had all my you know sweaters and sweatshirts and stuff. I was I was prepared for cold weather, but. Anyways, we're outside and and uh, I just see this big guy and and I, if I remember right, he had like a tank top or like a, t a torn up shirt and uh, something like that. And he just this big intimidating guy. He's got his arms out and he's he's one of those guys that's got the the long arms that like his elbow kind of bends out. And he's like and he's like walking down the street. He's like repent, repent, and he's just like like walking right at people and people are just freaked out, moving out of the way, probably like getting on their iPhones going, what does repent mean? You know what I mean? You know, just trying to figure out what, you know, what's going on. And, and I, I don't know that that guy has any people that he's really ministering to. They're like, Hey, let's go listen to the crazy guy over there. You know? And I, I saw another guy uh, down in new Orleans. I was there for work and, and I tried to strike up a conversation with him, but he just wanted to be there feeling like he's John the Baptist or something. And I don't mean to, to down the guy or I feel bad saying it this way, but I, I really, I kind of looked and I was like, well, dude, if you want a ministry and someone wants to talk to you and say something, you know, you're just standing there. I think he had a sandwich board, or it was like sitting there. If I remember right, he had a table, and of course, I'm 41, so it's starting to. I'm losing that that ability to save it here. I don't know what's that. Just wait. <laughs> but I, I just remember, you know, I, I, I uh, his board said something, and I just tried to talk to him, just like. You know, I'm brother in the Lord, and he just kind of looks at me weird. I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep walking. You know, it just, it was weird. And, and you know, there, there's a way for us to to share the gospel. There's, um, I, you know, sometimes it's going to have to be, you know, just boldly uh, in, a, in a classroom setting. Or it's going to be, you know, Oliver uh, loves to walk downtown and, and, uh, and share the gospel, just walk up to people. It might be at work. It may be whatever it is, but uh, the the importance that uh, that we know what we're doing, and uh, and uh, we don't have to wonder if we should. We've already been given the command. Not everybody's an evangelist, but we can live our faith. You know, and not just living our faith, speaking our faith, 
and and you know living out our Christian values and and uh, the the love of the Lord. I uh, this reminded me as I was reading this of um, when it says the laborers are few and uh, uh, it's August and I remember right around this time when I was a teenager this was blueberry season for us and uh, and uh, my cousins would come up from uh, from Connecticut and we would all blueberry rake and it was just a way for us to make money uh, because. It, it wasn't as common, or at least not that I remember, for uh, high schoolers to work when I was in high school. Uh, that not that we weren't working, but it's like everybody's working now. It's it's really weird that uh, this workers permit. Everybody's like, what is a workers permit? You know. But for us, it was a way to make a few, you know, two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars on you know in a week, and uh, it was hard work going out and and to rake, but. Uh, it was always the same time of year, and that was because that's when the berries were ripe. It's important to go harvest the berries when they're ready, right? We don't go early. We don't go late. Uh, one way, uh, you know, you're not going to get what you're expecting, and on the other side, uh, there's not going to be anything there because as soon as, you know, eventually they're just going to fall off or you're going to get, you know, blueberry prunes. So so it's it's important, and I just remember, you know, we're out there, and you know, it's hard work and, and just trying to stay focused because we're all teenagers and, and, and working hard. But, you know, my, my grandfather uh, owned the farm, and, and uh, my, my aunt was kind of the, the, you know, coming through and, you know, cracking the whip saying, you guys get back to work, stop talking, you know, and uh, make sure you're not skipping this, and you're missing all these berries here. It was so important for us to get those berries, and it, that it, it's – the the harvest was ripe. We're supposed to 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 get them that, and the deer will eat them all. So you know, go out there, uh, get our rakes, uh, get all the blueberries, and uh, support the family business. So as I was reading this, I'm like, oh, this makes sense. And you know, we did harvest when the berries were ripe. You know, when the field was ready. When the you know, so so as I'm reading that, it just it sticks out uh, so much to me uh, because it's it's the right time. Um, Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse one, I'll just uh, quote it to you. It says, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified. So when the Lord is saying here, uh, he says, uh, the Lord of the harvest, uh, sorry, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. It says, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out the laborers. And then, you know, looking at Thessalonians, the prayer for that ministry when we're sent out is that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified. That's that's what we want when we are going out and when we are praying uh, that the Lord would send that we that the Lord would bless the word that goes forth from our mouth. Um, we can say a whole lot of things that are just going to confuse people, push people away, whatever it is. We ask that the Holy Spirit speak to us and through us. I, I do that every time I'm up here, Lord, that you that it would be you speaking. Uh, I can confuse things. You guys know this very well. So, uh, verse three says, "Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves." Wolves. Uh, the important thing that we that we can see here, what stuck out most to me reading this, is "Go your way. Behold, I send you out. I send you out." So it could be, I send you out as minnows amongst sharks. Uh, it could be whatever it is. But when we know the Lord has sent us, we can have confidence. Uh, look at Daniel. Uh, look at uh, Rakshak and Benny. I, I, I got to remember their names here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, uh, you know, those three, you know, they, they knew what they were called to do. And uh, Christian's laughing because she remembers the, uh, the, uh, the veggie tales, right? Right, yeah. 
Rack Shack and Benny. But when we know, when we can have confidence knowing that the Lord has sent us, we can, as lambs amongst wolves, have confidence and have peace. We don't have to live a life of fear, and, and we, can, we can stand in confidence in that. But I love that when he says that, as lambs among wolves and uh, not fearing, uh, it, the Lord spoke to me that the good shepherd is with us. From John, John chapter 10 is like my favorite chapter in the Bible. I love John chapter 10. And uh, if you would turn with me just uh, to your to your right a little bit, John chapter 10, verse 11. <clears throat> John chapter 10, verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf scatters the sheep, uh, catches the sheep and scatters them. Thank you. The hiring, hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I am known by my sheep, and, am, and I know my sheep and am known by my sheep, my own. We'll start verse 14 over again. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and they will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it back again. This command I have received from my father. That's our shepherd giving us, you know, it, it, that was, that was even giving them that command. Go, you go out. I send you as lambs among wolves. You know, he he knew what they meant. They know what that meant. You know, if you think of David, you know, David having to sl you know slay wild beasts, bear, lion. I mean, to, just to protect the sheep, it, it, it's a big deal. And uh, you know, the shepherd protects the the sheep, and the Lord's not going to say, "Hey, I send you out as lambs among wolves. See you later." <laughs> you know, it's like, "Hey, you're going to go get devoured." It's a spiritual application. He's telling them uh, this is clearly addressing that a spiritual attack, and and knowing that we can have. The peace of knowing that the Lord is walking with us. We can, you know, the, what's a wolf going to do? Snap. They're gonna, we may see that, you know, spiritually, uh, those things. And uh, we can have confidence in, uh, in the one that we can trust with our lives. So when they're sent out by Jesus, they can have, normally you would never just let sheep out to go run amongst wolves, right? But the Lord is telling them, you know, uh, be, uh, sorry, harmless as dove, wise, wise as serpents. Um, so important for us to know that our trust and everything that we need comes from the Lord. And not, I mean, what does a sheep have to protect them? They're not fast, you know. They they can't they can't they're not they have no way of, of protecting themselves. But you know, the Lord is is telling them, I am with you. Yeah, I'm sending you out. My strength is uh, I'm giving you my authority. You got the authority of the Lord. Like I said, you can be minnow minnow amongst sharks. That's fine. You're going to be all set to go. Um, that's just a blessing. It really is. Uh, verse four, carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals and greet no one along the road. 
So uh, what he's saying here is that he'll provide and uh, there should be a focus, not get distracted. Greeting somebody, uh, you know, that Eastern greeting can be long and, and, and everything. The Lord's saying, I've sent you on a mission. Your mission isn't to stop and, you know, uh, you know, rub elbows with everybody and everything. I'm sending you here. I need you to go there and do what I need you to do and, and, and come back. So uh, no distractions, just stay focused. Very Another very important application for our life. When the Lord has sent us to do things, don't get distracted. Remember, you know, stay on the narrow path. Don't turn to the left or to the right. Stay on that uh, is where we're supposed to stay. So uh, God's telling, uh, the Lord's telling them uh, that uh, he's going to provide and uh, just to, to stay focused. So verse 5. But whatever house you enter, so as we're reading here, when he starts talking about the house you enter, I'm going to read through that again because I'm going to stumble through it, and we already read through it. So, um, But when, when he goes in to say, he says uh, in verse 5, when he's talking about peace to this house and the sons of peace, the fruit of your life, uh, the fruit of that person's life, when there is a greeting, uh, a heavenly greeting for somebody, and you get the, rah, you get the pirate down east main, rah, rah, Okay, you know, okay, probably time to, you know, turn around and walk out the door. But if you go in with a heavenly greeting for somebody and, and you're greeted with the same, you know you're in a good home, you can stay there. And uh, and then as we read, uh, there's there's going to be an awesome um, uh, ministry happening and these guys are going to be blessed for, for blessing that ministry. What did the Lord say about bringing, you know, a cup of water in my name, right? So there's, uh, it's just a great thing, that hospitality. Um, uh uh, hospitality. You own, you own a motel. You, you understand hospitality better than any of us here, right? Uh, so you have the gift of hospitality, so much so that you made it, made it your, your living. And so you understand hospitality. And if that hospitality, um, we've all experienced, uh, you know, hospitality where you don't feel welcome, you know, and, and, and when you do. But that, that hospitality of, of feeling welcome and being welcome, especially in the name of the Lord, being able to bless uh, and being able to use those things that we've been blessed with uh, to bless others. And uh, so so as the Lord's saying, he's saying, hey, I'm, I'm not sending you out with anything, but I'm going to provide. Watch. You just watch what happens. And what I love is when we get all the way to verse 17, everybody like running back. I'm getting to him first. I, I could. I don't think they're all just kind of walking down the road. I think they see Jesus and they're like, it's a race just to just to report everything. And uh, and then they can see, oh, Lord, it's just what you said. And more is so cool. And even the demons are subject to us. And I'm getting way ahead of us our, ourselves here. But but it's it's. All these things that the Lord is saying, we can get that glimpse of what was happening afterward as we're reading through this. And these guys had to actually trust the Lord and and go out and take those steps like, uh, okay, I don't have anything with me. He just talked about me being a sheep amongst, amongst wolves, all these things. But they knew that they could just trust the Lord and walk with him. And that's it's a uh, big challenge for us uh, and to our faith to, to trust the Lord, uh, especially like he wasn't physically with them. You know, but but he had they had the authority of the Lord and, and uh, the spirit of the Lord was with them. So they were all right. Um, verse seven, uh, remain in the same house, eating and drinking the things as they give uh, for the labor uh, uh, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Um, the laborer is worthy of his wages. Uh, if you look at James chapter five, you're going to see uh, in there. and I'll just read the, the verse to you. So. James chapter 5, verse 4, if you're 
um, wanting to remember. It says, Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed the fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. So all the way back in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 13, it says, The wages of him who is hired shall not remain with you all night until morning. Especially back in that culture, they were to be paid every day so they could go back and buy the food that they needed. It wasn't like, you know, they didn't have automatic bill pay with, you know, CMP power or, or whatever back then. They didn't have those things. So it was you get your wages, you go buy your food, you go buy whatever you need those days. And, you know, the, there goes at the end of the day, you were paid. And uh, so a little bit different than what we're used to here. We can look at that and go, am I supposed to get paid every day? Every day is a payday. I right, better be skipping into work, you know, all excited. But uh, but no, it was uh, that was back in that culture and in, the, in that day, you were paid for that day. And, uh, and you get paid at the end of the day. So holding back somebody's wages is something that the Lord uh, commanded should not be done. All the way back in Leviticus, and then James had to write it all uh, about it. Way in uh, you know two thousand years ago, and uh, holding back wages, we all know, we've all experienced. Hey, you know what? I I think I earned more than I got paid, or or whatever. Uh, whether we've done that, we've experienced that, or, or someone we know of has experienced that. Wait a minute, I should this check should be. I remember um, I was. Uh, I'll share it very fast because it isn't. It wasn't really. It was labor because we were frantically cleaning. This happened to us twice. Jen and I are not like sloppy people, you know. And uh, we had our, our apartment in uh, Italy that I spent probably three days. I actually have a scar on one of my thumbs because I was I was scrubbing the um, uh, I was scrubbing the oven. So Thanksgiving, I tried to do something. Stupid. Uh, I tried to be cool about it, and we had a uh, we had a uh, European oven, and I didn't know Celsius to Fahrenheit, so I'm like, I'm trying to cook this thing, and I'm I'm trying to you know read the label, not working, but it's a frozen um, uh, pumpkin pie, and I've just got it going. I didn't even think like there's so much wrong. I was 19 years old, trying maybe 20 at the time, trying to be so right. So we've all been there. We are trying. I've never baked the pie and of course it was all done so I, I put it in the oven and um we were in the second floor uh, of this apartment building and uh i don't know anyways we're, we're in our apartment and uh, i'm all getting excited i keep checking it and i'm like i don't know if it's working i'm turning things up and i'm like all right i just need to take it out and check it because the top was done now we all know what's about to happen right so john wasn't smart enough to put the pie on a pan you know i just put the pie in there so I just and I when I re, when I, I I reach in to grab the, the pie, it's not done at all, and it's all liquid inside. So when I pick it up, so everything in there, it starts folding, and I'm like, this is gonna melt on me. And it start it goes pop, and I threw it in there, and it just like caked all over the sides. It just hardened in there because it was hot, and I'm like, oh. So um, we cleaned out what we could, but you know when we're leaving, I'm going, hey, I want to get my security deposit, and. Uh, so I'm, I, I mean, I'm cleaning it. Actually, we had to turn that back into uh, to the Air Force on that. So I'm like trying to clean it out, and and and, it, and one a couple parts had gotten really hard and sliced my thumb. It must have been this thumb. Anyways, yeah, I've, I've got. Oh, there's my scar right there, and it sliced it right there. And and I'm like wrapping it and everything. 
So, and, and I cleaned up that whole apartment. It was, it was spotless, you know, and I'm all excited. And Lucy, our, our landlord comes upstairs and she comes through and, and it's one of those where I'm like, I'm ready for the, you know, basic training, white glove, come check my apartment. Cause I, you know, was all excited. And she just walks down the hallway, walks back. Yep. Looks good. I'm like, what? No, come in here, you know? And, uh, so, so I don't know what happened, but, um, we didn't get our, 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 our deposit back. There was nothing broken. And Lucy didn't seem like one of those people that would take us for a ride, but, uh, we left Italy without getting it. She's like, yeah, I'll mail it back. And then we find out there was some electrical bill or something that I, I don't know if it was true or not, but uh, so I didn't understand that. What I did understand was Washington state, but I still hadn't learned. Um, so Washington state, we left there and I'm going to fast forward through this one and I clean everything out and Jen and I are just going like crazy. We had a small apartment. We were there for three months right after Maddie was born and she got out of the air force. We were there for about three months afterward, um, before we left to come back here and, uh, another who we cleaned that all out. It was, it was clean and they're familiar with this. And now I knew we got taken for a ride, but I mean, new family, young kids and everything. I was really surprised. Then when I got back, they said, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll end up nailing that back to you. The person that does the inspection is not here. And, uh, yeah, they just, they just kept it. That's so I got cheated out of wages. You know, that, that was, that was money that I had paid that I had earned that I had coming back to me. It wasn't uh, in an employment way, but when we're, when we're cheated out of something, when we're cheated out of money, that's wrong. You know, and those, those people knew, you know, oh yeah, we had to go in and we had to clean that for a day. No, you didn't. You weren't in my apartment because there was nothing there. We were there for three months, you know? And, uh, so, uh, anyways, the, that type of thing, the Lord spoke against it all the way back in Leviticus 19 addresses, it. And, and it's all through the scripture. Uh, and these are just a couple verses that I, that I kind of pulled out with James chapter five. So important that the, the, the laborer is worthy of the wages. So when these people are there. It shouldn't have been like, oh, well, you know, you're staying here. Are you going to pay for these meals or anything? Excuse me. This was their hospitality. This is their offering to the Lord. So as they're feeding these these two people as they're staying in their home, it's an offering to the Lord. And those their labor is in the gospel, and they're being paid for it. So uh, they're not to withhold it, and they're, and they're supposed to be able to take them in. So uh, just one of those things that um, – that and and, and he, he finishes that that verse says do not go from house to house don't go begging if you if you know that one fan, one household isn't going to pay don't go to the next one when you find that one then you come in and say hey you know the lord's called us to minister here and i don't know how long they were there um but uh they they were there and as long as they were there and they found that house that they were welcome in and uh that i, I know it was a dual blessing the people that were uh, ministering to the ministers uh, and the ministers themselves uh, were being blessed in that. Got to figure out where we just ended off. Seven, eight. I've got a seven and an eight, right? Uh, remain in the house. Okay, yeah, we just finished seven going into eight, right? Whatever city you enter and they receive you, uh, eat such things as they set before you. Uh so right along the same lines as seven, uh, verse nine though, verse nine says, and heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So that's where the, that was the whole purpose of the mission. They're given that part the, the, what you're supposed to do is go out and heal and preach in my name. 
because Jesus is coming after them, after them, right? They're sent out to these places, and then the Lord is going to come in. So their their job was, you know, like, you know, John the Baptist's job was to go out and prepare the way, right? These guys were sent out, similar, uh, totally different ministries, but sent out to prepare the way for the Lord. Um, and uh, so heal by God's power and speak using his word. That's That's what they're called to do. The Lord is telling them right there. He says, heal the sick. And say to them, the kingdom of heaven has come near to you. A little bit of a shift, uh, a shift here in verse uh, verse ten, and we start seeing uh, that you know the cities that that enter that they didn't receive you. You know, go out to the streets and say, the very dust of our city which clings to us, uh, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this that the kingdom of God has come near to you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable for that uh, for in that day for Sodom than for that city. Now we know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. Hailstones demolished everything and everybody. More tolerable for them than it would be for this city for rejecting the Lord and rejecting his servants. So it's just clear there that, uh, you know, shake the dust off. That was a symbol of, well, if you're rejecting us, we reject you and we're shaming you. You know, uh, and uh, they're they're not re they are rejecting those people, but they're ultimately rejecting the Lord and what the Lord wants to do. So the Lord gave them a very clear instructions uh, not to fight, not to do this and this, shake the dust off and uh, and and keep going. Verse 13, woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you, had been done in Tyre and Sidon, Sidon, uh, they would have, let me get it closer to me, uh, uh, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre, Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. So those three, uh, Sodom, Tyre, and Sidon, are notoriously sinful cities. So uh, as the Lord's a comparison, uh, comparing, saying, hey, it's going to be worse for you than those cities, and everybody, oh, that, it wasn't like, oh, hey, you know, what, what happened in Sodom? What happened in Gomorrah? Um, you know, or, or any of those, uh, you know, Tyre and Sidon and Sodom. Uh, every, everybody knew, oh, okay, that, so it wasn't like somebody in the back raising their hand. So what, what do you mean when you... Everybody understood, you know, what, what happened in those cities. So Chorazin, uh, Bethsaida, and Capernaum, and uh, what we're seeing here based on the words is that they received much, uh, uh, but did not repent or repented a little. So there wasn't there wasn't anything there to be like, hey, based on what you've seen, you should be uh, here. It's based on what you've seen. You haven't not you've you've done nothing with it, and that's what the Lord is saying: is if for if the the mighty works that were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, um, they would have repented long ago. You know that's that's quite a rebuke, and these are these are Jewish cities, these are Jewish cities that he is he's addressing, and he's using Gentile cities to 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 address this uh, this unbelief and this uh, this rejection. So that's a powerful message in and of itself. So the the Chorazin, um, uh, it, there no miracles listed there. Uh, when I so I, I was looking that up and um, I think it was uh, David it might have been David Guzik that said uh, is, is probably one of those uh, those things that was covered 
by the statement in John, John chapter 21, where he said that it's impossible to recount everything that Jesus did because the books would would take would take up everything. So that's one thing that we're just going to have to, you know, at that point, just read it and go, oh, okay. The Lord said that they saw a lot of, a lot of stuff. We don't know what they saw, but um, probably similar to what uh, what uh, the other cities like uh, Bethsaida and Capernaum uh, saw. Um, an important thing as you're reading through these, I don't ever want to hear woe pointed in my direction at all. I don't want the, the any of that. So, so may we as as individuals and the church as a whole just repent and and honor the Lord and bless Him and and acknowledge who He is and and who we are. Uh, I think we're all going to be in a better spot. Cheesy dad joke I wrote here. Um, uh, so verse 16 says, uh, he who hears you, hears me, who, who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. And that rejection, uh, it, it ultimately the rejection we may experience in uh, witnessing uh, isn't necessarily just rejecting us. It's rejecting Jesus, rejecting the father. You know, it's that it's the same thing. Um all of these places and, and all of this rejection and all of these corrections, and this is the, the dad joke I, I just wrote, we don't want woes, W-O-E-S. We want woes, W-H-O-A's. <laughs> so, whoa, that's what I want from the Lord. I want the blessing where I'm going, whoa, look at this. So sorry, like I said, total dad joke. If my daughters were here, they would be just going, oh, what are you doing? You know, but yeah, I, I had to do it. Um it, it was. Tr it's true, though. You know, as I'm as I'm reading this and writing these things down, I'm like, I don't want the W O E S. I don't want those. You know, I'll take the other ones. I won't do it again. But uh, it's just to to me, our focus should be on. You know what? I may not want to do X, Y, and Z, but I know that the as we read here in this next section, we're going to cover 17 through 20. What the Lord has for me is so much greater than my doubt, my fear, my whininess, whatever it may be that's trying to keep me from doing what the Lord is calling me to do. I feel like I've been talking for a lot longer. We still have time. We start, yeah, 7.30, right? Okay, so uh, we're good. We have a half hour. So um, verse 17, then the 70, 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like heaven, uh, like lightning from heaven. I cannot read, guys. I don't know what it is. I saw um, Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So uh, their obedience, uh, because of their obedience, they experience successful ministries. Uh, that's the key ingredient if anybody wants to have any type of ministry. And I know I've mentioned up here a billion times. That ministry can be sweeping the floor, taking out the trash, singing, teaching, uh, teaching little kids, changing diapers, anything. If you want to have a successful ministry, we have to be obedient to the Lord because we all know we're going to have hard days or whatever. But if we want to have that success in a ministry and we want to be used by the Lord, we have to be obedient to him. So as they're obedient to him and they're being sent out as sheep among wolves and they're being sent out with no knapsack, they're being sent out with none of the stuff that you'd think you'd need for a trip. And they're being told, hey, just walk into a house. If they give you a godly response to your godly greeting, they're going to take care of you. All of those things took a lot of obedience and a lot of faith. And they went and did it and they experienced the blessing of the Lord. And they came back and they're like, 
I got to tell you, this is, that's what I said. They were like, as soon as they saw him, you know. You know, it's like pushing somebody, tripping the other guy, whatever it may be, just to get to Jesus first, right? And they get up there and they're like, you, you're never going to guess what happens. And they and they go up there and they're all excited. And I, I wonder if they're all telling him and one, one, one person, maybe with a little bit of pride in their voice, said, even the demons, you know, because it says right here, it says, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. You know, and w whether it was a little bit of pride said there or not, the Lord made sure to address it because we know what got Satan cast out of out of heaven uh, was was pride. And I'm going to read from Isaiah chapter 14. If you don't know this, this verse, write it down and, and become familiar with it because uh, it's very, very important. And it teaches us a lot about pride and to watch for it ourselves because uh, we can find ourselves in a very scary spot. Um, um Pastors, worship leaders uh, are, are the ones that uh, uh, I believe need to watch out for this the most. The people that are right in front of everybody. Um, because you can lose the focus of what, what your ministry is. What are you doing? Because you know, how many times have we heard of a pastor or worship leader failing, falling into sin, whatever that may be, sexual sin, could be stealing money, could be whatever, starting a cult, whatever it is. But you have that opportunity where in your place of leadership where people would end up following you rather than following the Lord, right? Very, very important for, I, I believe, anybody in ministry and any Christian to understand what was happening here in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. It says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol uh, to the lowest depths of the pit. The five I will statements of Satan's expulsion. I will, I will, I will. I am going to be great. I want to be great. That's a very scary thing. Um, there's a huge fascination uh, with fame in this country. Massive, massive. I just want to be famous. I, I want to be the focal point. I want. And why do? Why is? Why is that? Why does somebody want to be there? Because I want to be the focal point. I want to be the one that everybody looks up to and praises. That's a scary thing to think about. Now, uh, I, I, I just I think there's a huge fascination with um, uh, don't get me wrong. I would absolutely love to play the guitar like some of these greatest guys just because it'd be so much fun. Just like, you guys have heard me play. Nothing special. Right. But some of these guys that can do shred a guitar. I love it. But you have to be very careful. You know, if I'm going to devote, hey, I want to do this. Why do I want to do this? Because I want to make music to, to bless people and point them to the Lord. Or because I want to be a rock star, right? You know, get your power stance out on the stage and power face and doing all this stuff and, you know, all that crazy, right? Right? You know, it's a funny thing to think about, but it's ultimately I will. I want to be. I need to be exalted. I need to be pushed up there. Very, very careful. Um, our hearts need to be very careful because, you know, the Lord is, is telling these people that, hey, I've blessed you. I've, I've given you a ministry. you got to be careful, though. And and the Lord just just I saw fall have Satan fall from uh, like lightning from heaven.
And uh, that's such an important thing for us to remember. Behold, I give you, verse 19, uh, the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. No, that does not mean we're doing snake handling and, you know, scorpion, you know, juggling. You know, we're going to do any of that stuff. That's stupid. What he's saying is, is if I've given you something the same way, if I've, if I've sent you out, you're going to have power over what you need to have power over. But you got to remember the humility and whose power it is. It's not you, you know, pulling out magic tricks saying, hey, look how great I am or anything. It's the Lord is, is, has made it very clear. Verse 20, he, he refocuses them. Uh, he puts their focus back where it needs to be. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Hey, guys, just like the person you're serving, just like that community you're serving, you rejoice just like them. You're being used differently, but rejoice just like them. Be faithful to the ministry you have. Uh, you know, <coughs> Excuse me. Do everything you can to glorify God through it. But your real rejoicing isn't, hey, look at all the power. Look at the guitar I can play. No, rejoice because our names are written in heaven. There is no greater thing that we can ever hear. Nothing. There's, there is absolutely nothing that is going to be better than our name, knowing that our name is, is written in heaven. The Lord's going to protect us. It makes me think of, uh, I wrote down here, uh, Acts 28, when uh, the viper uh, it comes out of fire, latches itself onto Paul's hand, and Paul shakes it off, throws it into the fire. Right? Um, everybody's like, "Whoa, it's a god!" And you know, he's no, not a god, and all these things. But it's it's that that's the application of that. It's not, hey, just start grabbing vipers and let them bite your face, and nothing's going to happen. That's stupid. So uh, just uh, that's that's not what he's talking about here. What he's saying is, I'll give you the power you need to 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 do what you need to do, but it's for my glory. It's for the ministry I've given you. It's not for you to start your own traveling show of freakiness or whatever. It's it's important that, uh, that the focus remains on heaven and uh, that our names are written in heaven, and that's all we need to focus on. Because that doesn't that keep us in a place of humility? Because if we're not looking at anything um, from a, a correct lens uh, in, in, in the way we should, None of us deserve to be there. None of us can look and go, oh, yeah, the Lord's going Lord's gonna to gain from me being in heaven. You know, when I get there, people are going to be like, wow, look at that dude. He's, yep, yep, been waiting for him to show up. <laughs> no, I think it might be, whoa, <laughs> what is he doing here, right? You know, I, I, I have no idea. I don't It'll be like that. But anyways, it's, it's rejoice because our names are written in heaven. That's what we want. That's what we need to focus on. I have a note in my Bible for Hebrews 12, 23. So I'm going to read, just turn over there and I'm going to read it to you. Find out why I have that written here. Oh, okay. So it's to the General Assembly and to the church uh, of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, uh, who are registered, that's it. The firstborn uh, who are registered in heaven. The firstborn spiritually. Who have registered in heaven? Hey, I got my. You get pulled over. I got my registration right here. Stickers may not show it or whatever. We got our registration in heaven, so that's why I had that written here. Apparently, um, that's what we're supposed to focus on. That's what we shouldn't be like. Hey, look at the power of God. Look how great a speaker I am. Look how great a singer I am. Look how great of whatever drum player. Look how great of uh, you know artist I am. The the stuff I did on the wall. Yep, the Lord gave it to you. We have nothing to boast in, right? 
the Lord saying, what you really need to rejoice in is that your name is in heaven. So as we excuse me, continue here, uh, verse 21. Verse 21 says, And that hour Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and the one whom the Son wills to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see the things of what you see and have not seen it, and hear what you hear and have not heard it. First Peter uh, chapter 1, I'm just going to uh, flip over. I'm going to read you thir- uh, three verses. If you want to, you can uh, switch over there. But first, chap- uh, first Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. Oh, I was about to read from chapter 2. That's why it didn't look right to me. I'm sorry. First Peter chapter 1, verse 10 says, Of the salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed real that not to themselves, but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported uh, to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. So that's quite an amazing thing to think of. The prophets, uh, you know, all, all these people, that the priests, prophets, the, those who sought the Lord and, and knew the word, they're like, I want, what does that mean? What does that really mean? You know, who's going to hear this? Like all of those things, and we get to benefit from it. Isn't that awesome? Just to read that, it's it's so awesome to me. It's so convicting to me also because I know some of these people. When you can hear that they uh, just were in the temple day and night offering prayers, and you know, and I'm like, wow. You know, I feel all right if I'm like, hey, you know, went to midweek service and, you know, made it through and, uh, you know, it's uh, like you can, you can go, not that I'm sitting there patting my, but you're like, okay, cool. You know, I, I did what I needed to as far as, you know, being in church services. I've done my devotionals. I've done all those things. And it's like, no, these people, that's like what they did. That's out their existence. And they don't get to know the rest of the story like we do. And we have the rest of the story in front of us and we're like, yeah, yeah I guess I'll read. You know, it's just so good. It's so awesome. And it's so convicting to me at the same time. But the Lord is saying, hey, thank you, Father, for revealing this to, to babes. You know what? I'll raise my hand there. I'm okay with that. You know, I'm, I'm okay with that. To Just to be, hey, you know, these little ones, the ones here, the, the those that are uh, just, you know, the humble and lowly, yeah, I'm okay with that. Uh, just put me in with the humble and lowly folk and, and uh, leave me there uh, so that no pride comes out. That That's good for me. Um, it's just awesome. also put a note down here um, because he says here, um, I got to see what verse I was. 
I don't know why I'm uh, I'm getting lost here, but I wrote um, with your eyes. I must have, I must have seen something in here that I'm I'm uh, oh seeing what was good in your sight. There it is. Sorry guys, I'm, I need coffee or something. I don't know. Uh, verse twenty one where it says for it seemed good in your sight. And I got all excited and started writing things down. I didn't write verse. I always write the verse that I'm going to talk about next to it. The right to do was right, uh, uh, in his sight. What we want to focus. If you remember the end of the book of Judges, um, remember the end of the book of Judges. One of the saddest, yes, one of the saddest verses in the Bible says uh, that everybody wanted to uh, did what was right in their own eyes. That's sad. That is sad because look at the chaos that was happening. Right. Oh, and what I love here, so I'm sorry for the weird shenanigans of getting lost there. But verse 21, I, uh, I'll remember that next time to write down there. Verse 21, ha, and arrow next to it, and asterisk. Okay, so now I know what I was talking about. And, and as I was thinking about that more, so there's the, uh, we can do what's right in our eyes or do, you know, I'll, you know what, I'll take what's right in the Lord's eyes every day because look look at the benefit we have from it, that we can sit here with smiles on our faces and just get excited about what the Lord has revealed to us rather than doing what's right in my own eyes and ending up in the county jail or, you know, destroying what I know as a, a life and family and everything. It's crazy because we can just be stupid. And uh, we don't want that. We want the, what the Lord has. I just put in here, uh, I don't know how many times you guys have heard this, because I know I've heard it a billion times, is I have my own relationship with God. I believe what I believe, and I think it's right. And I'm like, there is such error in that. And I was thinking that, it was it was yesterday, I was, uh, or was it this morning? I'm driving to Bangor. I wasn't driving like this, but anyways, I'm driving to Bangor, and uh, I realize I'm like, there, it's a very easy argument to be like, okay, so if you want to believe that, so if I go underwater and I just believe I can breathe under there, am I going to be all set? Because I believe it. They're going to look at me and go, no, you're an idiot. And I'm going to say, <laughs> ding, ding, ding. There, you know, there's, there's one God. There's one mediator between God and man. And when we know these scriptures and we can sit down and share them with somebody or, you know, maybe, maybe we won't have the Bible in front of us, but we, uh, you know, we can share, share it from our phone, right? We should all have it on our phones, right? Uh, or, or just a, a testimony, whatever it is. And we're be, being able to share. God isn't this thing that in the sky, this, this guy in the sky, the big guy, you know, that, that we all say, uh, when I get up there, I'm going to have a few. No, you're not going to have anything to say. Look at anything in the scripture, and everybody's like a you know, spread out face right in the mud. You know that's that's the response from everybody. You know, and uh, it's that it's it's so scary to hear that basically I'm going to believe what I want. You know, where the Lord says what's good, what seemed good in your sight, and when we see man, everyone does what's right in their own eyes. Those words are almost word for word what I hear so many times. You do you, right? You do you, I'll do me. You know, I, you know, you know, I, I've got my convictions. You have your, yeah. We we have something to build our lives off of, and it's so important to be able to say, well, I can understand what you're saying, but you you got to understand that's really really flawed, really flawed. It's as flawed as thinking I can just jump in the ocean and just swim across it under, you know, with all the sea creatures. It's not going to happen. I'm going to die within 
I don't know, 40 seconds or whatever, and that's it. It's as foolish as, as thinking I can breathe underwater. That, for some reason, that's what came to mind today. And I'm like, I can't. And I'm like, exactly, you can't. So I've talked about that enough. So know Jesus, know the Father. That's the important thing is we can say here, it, it, and, and when approached or, or that comes up in a conversation, say, no, Jesus said if you know him, you know the Father. So if you're trying to get to God through anybody but him, 1 Timothy 2.5 is the only mediator between God and man, it's man Christ Jesus. Anything other than that, according to Jesus, is wrong. If you know me, you know the Father. So uh, I rest my case there, and we're going to keep reading. Verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? I love how the Lord uses the scripture. So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your, your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So you know, he, he's got the book answer right. He's got it right. And the Lord just goes, puts his finger right on the problem here, because he said, he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you shall live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? You know, just trying to, you know, trying to make himself look good, trying to justify myself. So, uh, you know, Jesus is, is uh, knows exactly what he's doing and goes right into it. He says, Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to, Jer to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he had seen him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, had compassion on him. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. But the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come, I will repay you. So which of these do you think was the neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And he said, He who showed him mercy. Jesus answered and said, go and do likewise. We don't know of any more conversation, any more uh, exposure that Jesus had with him or he had to Jesus. But the Lord, uh, because he's the Lord, puts his finger right on what's going on. And he knows the answer that's coming out of the guy's mouth. It's not a surprise. And uh, love your neighbors yourself. He's like, yeah, yeah, you answered that right. And then the guy's trying to make himself look really great. And he's like, well, who's my neighbor? And then the Lord has to, and when he ends that with go and do likewise, that means that he wasn't doing likewise, right? How many times did the Lord heal somebody and say, go your way and sin no more, right? So there's the implication, which I believe the biblical implication that he wasn't doing likewise, that he wasn't loving his neighbors himself. If you're not loving your neighbors yourself, you're not loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? It, you can't you can't do both. You can't have like 
this this part right and that part. It's that that whole vertical and horizontal relationships. We have to have them both right, right? So the Lord goes on, and I, I love that he uses this example, and I know everybody in here, and I know we're all very familiar with this, this portion of Scripture. I love that he uses a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan in the, in the, in the account. So the first two are the two that are seen as the religious leaders, right? These are the ones that are supposed to be the ones. They're ministers, right? Oh, hey, let's take out the people that you guys, that you guys won't even talk to, the Samaritans. Let's talk about that guy. He's the one who did it. So you're telling me the Samaritan was more spiritual than the spiritual leaders. You know, I just I love the way the Lord uses uh, uses these uh, these individuals here, and 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 knowing that we we've studied this several times. I've I've literally been here with all of us in here studying this, and we're familiar with the other parts of this scripture. It's just so amazing to me that, that the Lord would use those that were expected to do so and weren't doing it. Um, and that the, those who weren't doing it. So could we apply that to ourselves that, yeah, yeah, we could easily. So uh, we can be blessed by, yes, the Samaritan, that Gentile. Cool. All right. You're in a half Gentile, half Jew, right? Um, uh, the, sorry, the Greek speaking Jews, um, the Samaritans and, uh, they, to know that we are the, the ones that are expected to be doing the ministering and those things and that we should never be like, Oh, you know what? You know, somebody else can take care of that. I'm not going to take care of that. Why wouldn't we? Oh Lord, please. We can end that prayer and have something right in front of us and just be like, Oh, I wonder who I'm supposed to help here. You know, look in the, you know, it's right here and we're, you know, right. Spiritually, we can do that. We can look right around what the Lord is showing us. So I, I just love that the Lord, but but this man specifically in his pride was trying to make himself look good because it literally says trying to justify himself, trying to make things, you know, hey, you know, justify, you know, uh, you know who, who's my neighbor? You know, there's a little bit of a challenge there. And the Lord says, you're not doing that. You need to do so. Go and do likewise. He's not telling him that if he was already doing it, right? The Lord's explaining Another very familiar portion of scripture that we are. We're going to finish the chapter. So uh, verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. The Lord saying, nope, nope, she's doing what she needs to be doing. Sitting at my feet. I was at a... Um, a pastor's conference years ago, and a man named um, Bill Stonebreaker was teaching. He's out of like Hawaii, I think, him and his son uh, from Hawaii. And I'd never heard them teach, and I really enjoyed both of them. I don't remember. There's like Bill and Billy. I, I can't remember the – sorry, I'm, I'm going to shut up. Um, son, the, the names were similar. Uh, anyways, the Stonebreakers. And uh, I've got a couple notes here that I want to read to you because I think the Lord spoke to me years ago that I can just the the commentary that we need is right here because the Lord gave it to me right there it says uh, I gotta look here because I have too many scribbles 
um, there that I can't read my own writing. I literally had to read it several times um, at home. So I need to get to page five, which I know is here somewhere. Um, two things uh, under the caption that I have written here is a good balance of ministry for the Lord comes from ministry from the Lord. So that was pretty cool. Uh, looking at that, the the ability to minister. If you look at Mar uh, Mary sitting at Jesus's feet, she's receiving from the Lord, and that was going to make her a better minister in her life, anyways. So the, the important there, yes, we should be about the work, and this was this was a neat thing here too, because uh, that that balance that's needed. Faith without works is dead. We we have to have the works in our lives, but we also need to sit at Jesus's feet. So work and rest, good balance there. So what I have written here. Uh, from Bill Stonebreaker says, crops don't grow where the shadow of the farmer doesn't fall. I was like, oh, that's really cool. I'm writing that down, and I, I can see myself scribbling that, I don't know, five years ago, whatever it was. And I'm going to say it again. Crops don't grow where the shadow of the farmer doesn't fall. The farmer's got to do the work. They have to till the land. They've got to water. They've got to all this stuff. It's it's the work that will that will uh, cause the, the, the crop to grow. The next verse I have, uh, the next uh, quote I have was from Warren Wearsby. And it says, what we do with Christ is far more important than what we do for Christ. So we, when, we're, when we're seeing here, Martha's challenging the fact that Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet, that she's sitting with Jesus. And she's saying, I've got to go do, I've got the most important thing we can ever do is have fellowship with Jesus. He's going to send us. So it's not like we're going to say, oh, you know, i got to stop praying. i got to stop reading. Uh, I've got to stop my, my time with the Lord because I have to go do the ministry that he's called me to do. He will let us know when it's time to go. It's not, it's not going to be one of those things that we have to try to figure out. We should have that time. If we know we've got to, don't get me wrong, we know we've got a meeting at 7 o'clock. We're not going to sit there and say, well, you know, I, the Lord's going to say, yes, you knew you had the meeting. There's common sense that has to come into play there. But the importance of knowing what we do with Christ um, is far more important than what we do for Christ. Because we can do things and say it's done in Jesus' name. But what have we done with what we know of Christ, of, of, of the Lord? What are we doing with our relationship with the Lord that's going to put us in the right place to minister? Does that make sense? So everything that we covered here um, is, is there's so much, so much meat here. For living the Christian life and how to know uh, how to properly minister, to be plugged in. The most important thing is to be trust in the Lord, to know His Word, to be in His Word, to be praying. He told them, pray, pray that the the Lord of the Harvest would send you out, right? And and to go do what He tells you to do, be obedient to it. We put all those things together, we're going to have a successful ministry. It's when we start straying, we start thinking, hey, I'm great, or we start saying, well, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of these things but I'm going to neglect the whole caring for my neighbor. You know, it, 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 we, we just have to be in tune with the Lord as we have a proper relationship with him. Everything else is going to fall into place. Make sense? Yes. All right, let's pray. Father, we're so blessed to know that you have provided this for us and that we can continue to be challenged and we can be changed by your word, Lord. We pray you continue to work and, and move in and through us, Lord. We don't want to be stagnant. We don't want to be backslidden. We want to be running full, uh, full steam ahead, just running right toward you and what you have for us. The way to do that is sitting at your feet, being in your word, being in prayer. 
being about what you have us to do, being obedient to you. Help us to do all those things and have a proper balance in our lives of sitting at your feet and doing what you call us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.